You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. From the other side of the state. Greg Hectus. Finally made it. All right. And special guest, Zach Novak. Hey, how are you guys? Champion, Zach Novak. All right, that's right. Champion, uh, 2019 peak antifreeze, uh, e-NASCAR, whatever they call it now, uh, champion. Uh, th- congratulations, Zach, right off the top, top uh, for getting it done this year. Um, it, we've been watching the, the peak series every time you guys run and uh, talking about it on the show. And, and you've had some good runs, man. And uh, there were some times I was really wowed by some of your runs where you were coming up through the field. Uh, and, uh, so tell us, uh, what do you think of your run this year and, and do you deserve to be the champ? Um, I I think that we definitely did deserve to be the champion this year. And, um, I think relative to that in 2017, uh, I had the speed for it just like we did this year, but, um, I didn't really, really have composure for it. I guess you could say, um, but I think this year we put it all together really well and, we had really good race cars all year. The only thing was that we were a little inconsistent with our finishes, and we wrecked out just a little bit too much. Uh, had had some issues, but nonetheless, um, the speed was definitely there, and I felt the most confident I I had um, all year going into that last race. I felt like we definitely would would have a shot at it. Although Keegan was really really good, uh, we showed up with with pretty much the best car we could with what we had, and uh, we we didn't want to go out of the box too much with the setup and. Uh, just go with something that we hadn't really uh, known, I guess you could say. Uh, the setup we went with was pretty much the same thing as what we raced at Kentucky. And um, obviously with, with some changes, uh, quite quite the same base, and uh, that setup was a rocket ship. So so we wanted to keep it similar and, and show up with, with what we knew, and uh, we did that, and the car was really, really good. Yeah, it was, and uh, you guys were equal with, uh, I think, on speed with Keegan and those guys. And so that made for an interesting race there at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I mean, in in the race of uh, wreck, the way we wreck around in NASCAR iRacing series and the A series, and there's so much uh, piling them up kind of happening. You guys really uh, race clean there at the end uh, for the championship. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, was it just a, the right move at the right moment? Uh, you did it on the right lap as you were approaching the finish. I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about that and how uh, how clean that racing felt to you. Yeah, I mean, the uh, we definitely had a better short run car than Keegan did. Uh, he he took about five to seven or eight laps or so to really get going off the restarts. And I knew that was my time to take advantage. When we had about a fifteen lap run at the end. I knew. Uh, I knew that that was my time to shine. Uh, I needed to step up and, and uh, take advantage of, of when my car was good versus his. And he came in there a little bit at the very, very end, and we got pretty even. But I made, I, I believe I made the pass with uh, seven to go. And I just, I knew I needed to clear him as soon as possible. So I, I basically just threw into turn one and uh, cleared him and slid up right in front of him. And he tried to cross me over. And, the top was just so dominant in three and four after a few laps on the tires. So I think uh, I think the racing was really really good though. Keegan was an awesome competitor all year. Um, he doesn't race uh, aggressive or dirty or anything like that. Uh, he's very clean and very patient. So 
I can't thank him enough, though, for, for racing clean and uh, putting on a good show for everybody because that's what this is all about. And uh, I think almost everybody in that field um, would, would race just like he did, and they all understand. A lot of them, uh, this is a growing business, and um, we're just here trying to obviously fuel our own success, but we also want to see Iris and grow as a whole. That's kind of the whole point is to, is to let it grow bigger so we can make more money. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you guys, both of you guys got a lot of respect from the community by the way you guys raced, uh, uh, specifically Keegan, because, uh, you know, if it was somebody else, I think you might have been in trouble. You know, if it was a Blake Reynolds or somebody like that, you know, nothing against Blake. I'm just saying uh, he races a little bit differently than Keegan does. And you guys were pretty tight there at the end. So, but congratulations. Uh, It did go very well for you. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the aftermath of the race. And next, um, we saw the the video you had on your face, uh, your your little webcam, which, by the way, that's such a great idea because it really brings the fan in to see what the emotion is going on. And we got to see your emotion a little bit as your mom and family came into the room and uh, was congratulating you on the warm on the you know the wind down lap there. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what it meant to you and your family to get it done. Uh, this this whole experience has been awesome for myself and my family. We uh, we put I put a lot of time into this, and they understand that uh, this is what I like to do, and um, they they let me put a lot of time into it. So I really can't thank them enough either for uh, for everything, and um, just being able to share that moment with them was awesome for me. Uh, I had a lot of emotions going through my head uh, on that cool down lap. As you could see on the video footage, I went from really excited, what the heck just happened, like kind of like tears of joy, I guess you could say. Um, and then it went back to like uh, like all the stress just kind of leaving leaving me. There's just a lot of emotions on that, on that cool down lap. But it, like I said, it was awesome to celebrate that with my family. And um, they've, they've sacrificed a lot to let me um, continue doing this and um like i said i I just can't thank them enough for for letting me do this and um i racing as well they've been awesome uh hosts i guess you could say to this and uh i just can't wait (laughs) yep and it was interesting to uh always as a fellow competitor to see the emotion involved in it because we know the emotion when you get a win and and a championship like that it's sure you know it is real racing even though it's a simulator uh, when it comes down to it, you're racing real people. There is emotion involved when you accomplish something. So uh, kudos to you. It was a good good thing. Now let's talk about what happened after that. I, I know you got to go to Boston. We saw a picture where you got a new Bell helmet with the iRacing logo on it. Uh, tell us a little bit about that trip. Yeah, so I got invited to the iRacing headquarters um, right before they were moving. So they, they still had everything in uh, the office. Now they're moving. I'm not exactly sure where, but... Uh, Hopefully that's all going smooth. Um, but yeah, so I, I went there and met up with a bunch of the iRacing staff. Some I had already known, some I hadn't known yet. Um, I did the iRacing Downshift podcast, really cool. Um, and, you know, we went out to lunch. I just got to talk to a lot of the iRacing guys about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they maybe don't pay into as much. Um, and I think that's the coolest thing is just um, how interested they are and, and how us teams and geek series operate um they want to they want to learn more so they can improve it for everybody even even 
the other World Championship Series. They want to learn more about everything in the atmosphere so they can improve it. Well, that's great. I mean, that uh, it's always good that they're wanting to improve the product, and they've been doing it by leaps and bounds here recently, of course. Uh, so let's talk about you got invited to Homestead as well uh, for the final NASCAR race. Uh, we saw a bunch of pictures on social media. Let's kind of look through those. Uh, first, you, it looks like you guys got to meet up with Clint Boyer at the hauler, and uh, you got the championship ring, a big check, and a trophy. Yeah, so I got to meet uh, Clint Boyer. I got to meet up with Austin Dillon. Um, obviously, I met my real-life counterpart, Ryan Newman, so that was a really cool experience. Um, I, I just got to meet a bunch of drivers that uh, I haven't met before. Clint I have met before, very briefly, um, but it was cool that he remembered who I was. And, um, yeah, I got, got to meet a bunch of drivers at the at the track and um, got my, my big check and my trophy and my ring on, on the stage. Got to take some pictures with it on the track after the race. Um, the whole experience was awesome, getting to uh, meet a bunch of new people from iRacing. Uh, I, I invited some of my teammates uh, out to, to enjoy the weekend. And as far as I know, everybody had a blast. It was an awesome time to be able to hang out with people, do a little bit of, of work, quote-unquote, as well. Um, had Obviously, I had some of my own obligations, but I tried to hang out with as many people as possible and uh, just really enjoy myself because you never know if this is going to be possible. Yeah, so, uh, seeing you sitting there next to uh, Ryan Newman, you guys are the same height. You have the same body type, same weight. You'd probably fit in his seat perfectly fine. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, um, did did Ryan Newman know uh, about like what you were doing there, Zach? Like, Did he know that you were representing, you know, Roush uh the, the way that uh with his you know with his sponsors and stuff i believe he was familiar he wasn't really too sure plus it was right after practice so um he's working he's obviously doing what he's got to do so um i you know i briefly talked to him he asked me kind of like what's next um that was pretty much it though uh as far as i know he was familiar with it uh i don't know <laughs> um he he seems familiar with it at least so so uh who did you get to talk to from actual NASCAR? I, I see one picture on stage here with uh, Juson Hamilton, but uh, did you get to talk to anybody else from NASCAR? Um, well, I, I, um, I did talk to Brandon Williams from NASCAR, the race manager, um, but he's kind of like everywhere iRacing goes um, that has like NASCAR involved with it. He's there kind of a thing. Um, so I talked to him. I talked to a bunch of I, I talked to people from NASCAR. We went out to dinner, um, to a NASCAR dinner, and um, that was really cool. We went to a really nice place in uh, Miami called Joe's Stone Crab, and uh, that was that was really cool. We went so, with some people from NASCAR. Uh, Jason yeah. wasn't there though, but uh, Brandon was heard there. Mike, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I've heard actually Mike Bagley. Oh, really? I think I've heard him talk about it on the on the uh, morning drive. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's a nice place. Well, that's pretty cool. All right, and then uh, so after Homestead was over and done, uh, we talked about having you on last time last week, but you said, "Boy, I'm headed to the racetrack," and so you ended up getting invited to go to Myrtle Beach uh, with Max Cookson, uh, who was the uh, uh, the the young uh, uh, what's what's that uh, other series uh, Ignite, Ignite series winner? Yeah, he he won the Ignite. Anyway, uh, you guys went to Myrtle Beach Myrtle Beach to run a, a late model, and uh, tell us about that. Man, that was that was an awesome for my myself, everybody else included. Obviously, um, that was a great time. 
um, to just be able to experience <clears throat> how a real car feels. And, um, just to, I don't know, be, be back at the racetrack again. When I was a kid, I, I would always be at the racetrack every weekend with my dad um, racing quarter midgets. <clears throat> and I haven't really had that um, feeling, so to speak, in, in a very long time. And uh, that was really cool to be there with my dad and, um, you know, the, the people there, uh, Mark Green, the driver coach for Rev Racing, and um, everybody else that was there from Rev Racing, they, they were extremely supportive and helpful of me. And <clears throat> they they really wanted me to learn a lot, and, and that I did. Um, I learned a lot in that race car, and um, I felt like I fared pretty well. Max did well as well, and it, it was just an overall great experience for both. Max and myself, and I got to know him a little bit, and uh, like I said, just learn a little bit about the race car and what to do, what not to do, what's different from my race. Um, like I said, I had a great time. Did it feel, even though it was a new experience, at the same time very familiar because of all your eye racing experience? Oh yeah, um, I got in the car my first run, and I was kind of like babying it around the track uh, for about five laps or so. Part of that was because I couldn't hear through the radio through the radio we had like radio set up um and i couldn't hear mark green through the radio so i was kind of like trying to f sort of like figure that out um while i was like driving around the track going kind of slow and um eventually i just kind of jumped on it uh so i i pretty much like wasted like half of my first run uh up stickers so with it being Myrtle Beach, that place chews tires up, so I never actually got like a full run with sicker tires on, which kind of sucks. But um, pretty much right out the get-go, uh, I just tried to get a feel for the track. Um, and then when I started actually going, uh, going pretty hard, I felt like I was right at home. Um, obviously, the G-forces were, were pretty tough, but um, other than that, like, it was it, it felt like i've been doing it for years honestly yeah it's a muscle memory right you know and you oh, already yeah. got it so well uh that looked really cool so uh is, is that it for for 2019 is there anything else uh, nascar anybody has planned for you um i don't believe so anything can pop up i'm not sure um but yeah i, I believe everything's all good for now um we do have some stuff coming up after 2019 2020 uh with with iRacing and the peak series so stay tuned for that uh, some exciting stuff but can't disclose that oh come on that's what we're here for no i'm just kidding uh yeah we're excited for 2022 let's uh kind of uh get into that and transition into stories and uh we did hear uh from tyler hudson this week uh he said with the 2020 Season 1 quarterly build, you're going to notice the NASCAR Monster and NASCAR Truck vehicles getting the new Version 7 tire model. However, in effect to be as fair as possible for the ongoing NASCAR Pro Series, the V7 will not be released on the B car until the conclusion of that NASCAR Pro Series. They still have two races left. Uh, so they're going to release the uh, Version 7 for the A car. Uh, and I guess, Zach, my, let's get your reaction on, uh, you know, you're going to be racing uh, the 2020 Peak Series here with the new tire model. Uh, what do you think? I'm excited for it. I think it's going to bring change. Um, I haven't really driven it too much on the National. I'm not a huge fan of it on the National, to be completely honest with you. Um, but I also think that it's a work in progress, and what is on the National is not their final product, obviously. Um, and I also think it's going to be different. Uh, you know, react a little different on each car. So 
I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really fun to try out and try and learn. Um, but at the same time, I think pretty much everything that you already know uh, now is going to translate. It's just going to react differently to certain things, and um, hopefully it'll fix some issues <clears throat> that they have with the with the current tire. And, um, you know, who who knows what it's what it's going to do, really. But um, the National kind of gave us a decent, decent idea of what it will do. But uh, like I said... I don't really know uh, what to expect. I'm just excited. Yeah, yeah, it should I, be a neat change. The interesting thing is that it, how it's coming about. Obviously, we're getting it. You know, we're gonna have what a month and a bit, maybe almost two well over two months of time with it before the peak guys start theirs and the NIS season starts and all that stuff. But Zach, what do you think is gonna happen when you get in the mid season and they got to start making tweaks to it? Do you think this peak series or, or sorry, the sorry the esports series? Um, could affect the build of that quality or of that tire over the period of the season because they don't want to change things. So you guys, you know, aren't getting an update a day or two before your next race and you have to change all your setups or something. Luckily, um, they, they care a lot about like the product that they display on, on the broadcasts, um, which I mean, obviously, but um, they kind of like think about that in advance. So they'll give us a break, uh, a build so like an extra um so as far as i know that would probably be the case um unless it's like some catastrophic thing where we need to race that tuesday um but normally they'll they'll push it to where it doesn't affect us the same week so like they'll give us at least a week to prepare um so i expect if they do need to change anything um over the year they'll probably try and keep it as minor as possible i would expect but at the same time who knows if they'll have to change something drastic? I think it would. It'll come up. I mean, I mean, because how much oval experience do they have with the tire? I mean, we have the national. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's coming to the A, B, and C so quickly. Myself, I thought that the rollout plan would be like the national, and then okay, then we'll do late model and super late, and you know those kind of cars, and the mid, you know, the midget and and the Wheeland modified and. And then we'll do the NASCAR last, but no, here we are. We got it. So, uh, so we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about it too. What do you guys think about them delaying the, uh, Xfinity car? Any problem with that? I think it's the only choice. I mean, it's it, only a it's logical choice. Yeah. And it's only a week, right? Like two weeks. Tech, well, they're going to be, it's going to come out next week. They have a race next week. Don't they? No, they're or skipping. They, oh, uh, they skip the, tw- so yeah, you're right. It is two weeks then. Okay. So skip week 13, and then they'll have two more runs, I think, two more races. I mean, we've waited for years yeah, for this. Yeah, it's I'm no sure big deal to me. Two more weeks is probably not going to kill everybody for it. Yeah, and if they have to make any tweaks, um, if they don't extend, if they can't, say, another way they can avoid having to extend the uh, peak schedule is, is drop it right after a race. So that you got kind of the whole two-week cycle to prepare. Or fi- fix bugs, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I expect to see with the new tire model is kind of kind of the same cycle that you see anytime there's a big change. Um, everybody's going to panic, struggle a little, then somebody's going to nail it first and dominate for a quarter of the season, and then everybody will catch up. Sounds like real NASCAR. But uh, all right, well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see uh, if this plays into my favor or not. The way I can't save tires, it probably won't. Is what I'm thinking, but. More wear? Is that what we're thinking here? We're going to end up with more wear than before? I believe that's the plan. They're they're attempting to um, stop Max K as far as I'm concerned and uh, make the tires blow a lot faster. 
So more camber equals more tire heat generally, which so means a quicker quicker blowout on your tire. So the solution would be less camber, obviously. So what do you what do you think about that adding as an element into the race now that okay, you know, there is the you know, a tire could go and, you know, say someone's running the bottom and their tire goes and it's not like you're wrecking somebody um, where the answers happen. You could have an incident where, you know, like in real NASCAR, you blow out a tire, you hit the wall and, you know, that's what happens. Like it's a new thing that's being added if we have that um, possibility, I guess. Yeah, once you blow it once, you're not going to let it happen again, probably. But uh, but you're right. If, you, if you're getting a half, if you're half second faster because you're doing some crazy camber or something, but the trade-off is you might or might not blow a tire, you know, that's going to be interesting. I also, I also hope it just brings back the people who are, are crazy, super aggressive on the first few laps and, and they can't pull that far ahead and then just stay there. Uh, you mean like they burn their stuff up early? Yeah, this is kind of the same thing that, that a lot of the real podcasters are calling for in real NASCAR is basically a softer tire. Tire wear leads to good racing. It's basically, he's saying the rocket ship sets that are 10 lap runs you know you, you can have your 10 lap run but you got to hope for a caution if not you're going backwards yeah and then what if nascar shows up at daytona with a real soft tire like everybody's wanting uh what are we going to do you know are they going to be able to soften this up even more Did, i think we talked about it at one of the podcasts it was just shifting numbers around is once they got where they wanted to they can they can change the compound of the tire by shifting numbers or whatever he said it's all based they they try to basically create a physics model for the tire so they can actually change what uh, is physically in the tire. They can change its its simulated composition basically. All right, cool. Let's jump to the next one. Greg uh, Burton Kligerman Esports is hiring. So I was uh, strolling through Twitter on my break the other day and I came across this uh, post from Burton Kligerman Esports uh, Twitter page and uh, it says. Uh, Hey, want uh, want to work for motorsports slash esports? Uh, we're hiring only part time to start, but the possibility of growth into the uh, into full time or growing into full time. So obviously, uh, they're they're looking at someone that's going to be you know for social media aspect of it because that's you know esports like we've seen the the benefit already of some of the social media stuff that we've been doing in the last couple of weeks, but um, this is going to be a huge thing for. Uh, the, the, the league and, and things like that, those for it to get broadcasted through this network, take advantage of this like everybody else does. So do you think that something like this, um, this position is sustain, sustainable? Like I see that they say part time. Do you think this could grow into something bigger uh, for for teams? Like obviously they're the first ones that's posted it out there. Well, all of the major teams, the, the real teams have Already social have media people. managers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, Zach, what's happening with Roush? I mean, uh, the the guy in charge of the esports social stuff is that an existing Roush marketing person? Yeah. So I have a contact at Roush Fenway. His name is Jackson Martin. He, um, I'm not ex- I'm not sure his exact job title, but um, it's something along the lines of marketing. Um, and he he's basically my main contact for anything I need. I go to him. And then he will like kind of tell me where to go if there's a question I have like that doesn't necessarily pertain to him. He'll kind of get me hooked up with the person I need to be asking. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I would assume all the teams um, and even the esports teams like it's 
whoever they already had in place, but in Burton Kligerman Esports' case, they didn't. Um, and I think Parker and Jeff, they're both obviously way too busy with themselves. Um, so I think it's a good idea for them to, to try and do this. And I saw one of the NASCAR Heat, uh, one of the people that, that did the broadcasts for NASCAR Heat um, actually applied for it. So that'd be really cool if he got hired for this and was kind of involved with Peak. I think that would be um, really cool to see him, like I said, involved. And, uh, I think this is kind of proving that it's growing into a business a little bit, uh, sh- slowly but surely. We'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, there's no t- real team behind uh, Parker and Jeff Burton, so uh, they don't have a, a built-in social media person. So it makes sense. They're 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 hiring, and uh, like you said, I think it proves hey, this uh, business is moving forward, not uh, backward. Exactly. All right. Very good. Um, next up, I got the 2019 iRacing Winter Derby, and uh, this is the official race. Uh, it's happening tonight, not very long from now. Zach, I think you said you're going to try to run it. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, it's Five Flag Speedway, uh, late, a super late model, 300 laps. That's pretty long. Uh, first race tonight. Uh, there's uh, other time slots throughout the weekend, so four total. Um, you got to be a D40 oval or higher and uh, warm up 10 minutes and qualifying is attached uh, two laps. Uh, what do you think of this race? Uh, kind of prestigious to try to win one of these. Uh, why not, huh? Yeah, I think it's awesome that Irising is putting this on. I, I do wish that we had a tire limit, but that's that's obviously not the case. Obviously, super late model races, you don't just pit every caution. Um, so that 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 is a little bummer. I'm not gonna lie, but for the most part, the the racing is always super fun in the super late models. I run in a league um, pretty often called Sarah, the Sim Auto Racing Association. Um, they host an event like sadly I couldn't race it last week. I was in Myrtle Beach, but um, they run their own little version of the Snowball Derby. Um, I can't wait, honestly. I think it's gonna be really fun. Jimmy Mullis, my my buddy, uh, he loves that track, Five Flags, so he always always has a pretty good setup built for there, and I think I'll have a chance to win it tonight. All right, go get it. I saw Noah Gregson won the the real event, uh, and. Uh... We have a couple teammates that might be participating either uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow. Uh, they're going to try to get involved. 300 laps. Hey, that's a nice long distance, too. 36 cars, too. That's a lot on that little track. Oh, yeah. Is it a quarter mile? I think it's half. Yeah, it's, it'll be, I think, uh, here, I'll look it up while you're t- guys are going to the next one. Yeah, I think it's a half. But uh, All right, next up, David. Speaking of the next one. Updated yep. Skip Barber. So. Um, this was announced actually on one of our friend podcasts, the uh, downshift uh, as a surprise. And um, it's kind of funny. You can tell who's the, the, the big sports car guy and, and road racer on our team. Cause I was the one who was definitely the most excited about this. Lime rock is finally updated. This was one of the first tracks scanned. It was the first road course that was scanned. Um, and it's been a long time since it's been updated. It's uh, the real track's been updated a lot. And according to Tony Gardner, you'll still be able to race the old and the new Lime Rock, and they're both going to be free content. And they have also, they're also coming out with a new Skippy. Um, probably, uh, I don't know if this was already in the plans or they decided to expedite it because of how many of the new features were causing problems with some of the older models. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about this. I, I can't wait to hop on it in the Ferrari and put some laps in. Yeah, they put out some nice uh, video. Uh, side-by-side comp- uh, lap 
If you go towards the end of the video, they, they do a side-by-side -side of the old track and the new track at the same time. So you can kind of get a feel of the differences of what visually has changed and not changed. And it is uh, uh, quite, a big, quite a bigger difference than you would think. Well, what I really noticed more was the sun that's right out there in front of you on the horizon. Um, there's a shot where it's, they're both pointing. Well, there is no sun on the, on the old shot, and then the sun is setting or rising uh, right, right in front of the skippy on the cockpit shot. And it's uh, obviously a different surface. Uh, but yeah, they, they show differences of the different two skippies as well. And uh, they're slight differences. And you have to, if you're not you know, really looking for it, you probably think it's the same car. But uh, you can see the differences if you kind of look. I'm sure a lot of the differences are going to be inside. All right. Uh, next, we had another sneak peek of Supercar in Lernerville. Greg. Uh, just so you know, David, it is a half mile for that race. Cool deal. Um, anyway, so on the next topic, uh, the new Supercar was uh, unveiled uh, in a video or on Instagram, and there's a bunch of write-ups for it. So the new 2020, um, well, I guess they're, they're uh, for the 2020 eSports series, but the Commodore and the Ford Mustang are have been teased and promised for the next build. Um, there's a bunch of write-ups about it, um, some beautiful pictures of them as well. I, I, these cars are, are crazy. They're, they're really good looking. Um, the wings the wings on them are... I the wing we is talking, too much. Is we were, it's crazy the size of it, but... Uh, no, it's it's good to see that they're uh, they're updating because this is one of their older cars too because that was one of the first couple cars and first couple years of iRacing was scanned uh, was these supercars. Um, but uh, I know uh, Will posted up on our uh, Instagram page asking our our fans which uh, ones they were going to be getting or which ones you might get, and it says eighty three percent of the people would probably be getting the Mustang. Um, so. I think that's probably what I would go. What about you guys, if you guys were going to get one? Well, the, the Mustang definitely looks better, I think, just because it looks newer. The Holden just has an older look to it, just because I, it hasn't been updated, I think. Now, the other one was, uh, how is it pronounced? Is it Lernerville? Lerner. Lernerville? Lernerville. Lernerville. So they post on the iRacing page, sorry for the bad pronunciation of the track but uh it's posted some pictures up of uh the new dirt track coming out um and once again that looks like a good addition to uh this build as well um beautiful track this is the one that has no wall on the back stretch right yeah that's right um kind of like that one track we, we have one track on the service like that now so that'll be an interest that'll add more of a dynamic and more dirt tracks it's good to see that they can they keep adding to it um now, I guess um, the one thing that uh, we're kind of bringing up here, obviously it's different that they're adding the supercar in, but do you think, um, I guess uh, we did some research here and found that only 360 members score are scoring points in the uh, supercar series, so or in, in season four, I guess. Um, do you think that that'll go up with participation because they get a new car next, you know, for next season, or do you think it's still probably be the same people? Well, it's going to be it's the gonna, same, but it's going to bump for sure. Yeah, it'll bump, but, it, but that's the Nazi car. That's what the that's going to be the biggest draw because that's their series. That's what that's a part of home for them. So, uh, some it, we're not going to have the same interest over here it, as they are. Now, the, somebody was talking about this in the forums. I don't have a link, but I remember 
uh, one of the Aussies was saying, uh, hey, we're really going to, there's going to be a lot of Australians that aren't in iRacing that are getting to get involved in iRacing because of, and he's expecting uh, from his point of view to be a big increase. Which is, you know what, that that would be perfect because they need to drive, you need to get to a, I find with that series, you need to, there's a point where you need to get an, a certain amount of people in there to entice others to actually want to go do it more, right? Like if you can see that there's consistent participation, that's when other people will also start jumping in. So if you can, if we can, you know, get some more people in there, it'd be good to race because, you know, I want to even, the problem is they go official usually in the nighttime when we're sleeping, not when in the daytime when we yeah. get a chance to, right? But that's their times, right? You just need to switch to a different shift if you want to race <laughs> those cars, man. It's already on that shift. I hated it. Okay. Let's keep moving. Let's talk about another up- update on a track. Uh, Lucas Oil Speedway uh, scan has, was delayed. Uh, we had a tidbit where uh, Kevin Inarelli uh, from the staff posted uh, about the track in Wheatland, Missouri, that was hit by a tornado in late May earlier this year. He said, quote, we had planned the plans to scan the track, but Mother Ta- Nature did not agree with those plans. The damage from those severe storms has forced us to delay scanning the track. The track is hopeful to have everything operational by 2020. The track actually got hit by a tornado over there in Wheatland, Missouri. That's just that's just north of me. Now, they obviously, it must have obviously done damage surface for them not to do because they were talking, when we were talking about scanning North Wilkesboro, they just, the surface, they don't need the outer stuff. So obvious damage to the asphalt that they have to repair and make sure the walls and fencing is all right. And well, there, and there may be de- debris still on the way. There, if there's any structural instability, they're not going to let them in there because it's not safe. All right, David, uh, we got uh, iRacing Esports in 2020 is not looking good, they say. All right, it's um, soapbox time, I think, for all of us, <laughs> right? Um, YouTuber Bo Auer posted about a 10-minute video, and it was criticizing iRacing and its 2020 plans after such a big year in 2019. The criticism, it was uh, ranging from the World Championships to many of the other World Championship series. Um, it said there was not enough attention to Road Series, which is, I'm, I'll just finish before I start bloviating um being too easy to get a pro license and the lack of live stewarding there was also other iRacing criticisms for special events and the cost of iRacing we got a couple of quotes but i think we want to go into some of our discussion as well and we have a big quote from uh teammate and podcaster anthony groves that i definitely want to pitch in here yeah i'll jump in with uh keegan's quote first keegan lee he said uh there were a lot of cherry pick negatives here most of which are only telling half the story some of these points are just plain wrong, he said. Yeah, I drive road and oval, and to say there's not attention to road is ridiculous. We just had a, we've had several new cars come out. Uh, they're bringing out the two new supercars. Uh, they've been over the last three years. The, the sports car classes and the new F3 have have just been, you know, that's basically all that's been coming out is the road cars. Well, the, this is we're at this point right now where it's. Don't you feel like it's road versus oval? Like, you know, we're like there's two the two sides of the coin here and always will and, be. Uh, you know, you got the road person, you know, making their opinions on oval and how they're cherry picked and then oval will make it and you know, saying that road's favored, but it, it's really hard with the content that we already have. Um there's so much of it. The oval side only can grow from now on like if you look at it, all the major tracks are scanned for 
the major oval racing. There's the, just the short tracks that are pretty much anything you can go, unless they go to, uh, you know, they come here to Canada and scan some of our nations or our tracks here in Canada, but they're all still small short tracks. And the roadside, there's such a bigger development case for there, which is great because they need to bolster the track part of it. But I think the car part of it has gotten out of hand. There's, there's so many cars to pick from, which dilutes all the series that he was complaining about that were they're losing series and participation and stuff because of it well when you have 50 different cars to go in one series it's hard to pick where you're going to go and, and then you got to split uh, you know just disperse it with everybody if you only have a hundred thousand subscribing or less than a hundred thousand subscribing people and probably only fifty thousand of them on regularly then you need to they got to go somewhere and 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 oval is always popular the roadside is always going to take a hit, and the more they add to it, the less that field gets too, right? Well, um, the ovals definitely are far ahead, but they up they update the road courses just as much, and uh, they just put out Lime Rock. And I I race on road a lot. As anybody that watches my stream, I word I run more. Uh, I I end up running almost at least as much road as I do oval, and so from my perspective, it really feels the same it is pretty clear that this podcaster is a european road guy and and just doesn't have the same passion for oval as a nascar fan does but from, from my perspective they i do feel they um they're fairly balanced and they have addressed they've even addressed you mentioned the too many cars they've kind of even said that themselves we, we talked about it last week we're on the gt3 cars they're going to try to whittle it back down to to fewer models so that they're not having to worry about the balance of power of six cars yeah and he was saying too many uh, world championship series i disagree i think as long as we have one for every real world counterpart like usac and we got one for world of outlaws and we got one for you know for nascar and we got one for mm -hmm. you know porsche you know and, and his argument on that was that the money could be piled bigger into just a fewer championships but what he doesn't understand is that that money is only being put towards a series that that company wants to sponsor so if you cut a series you're also cutting that money you're not gonna be able to take that money and put it in a different series well and the more series you have that builds up the pool in general right like if you can if you can entice another company to come in and even if it's only ten thousand dollars to sponsor a small event that's ten thousand dollars more than just saying, you right. know what, we're not going to take that ten thousand dollars because we want a bigger chunk. Well, you take, you know, you want to grow. You take what you, you not take what you can get, but you take, you know, what you want. The all these series need to be represented because they do great jobs at representing each one of these classes of cars. USAC series, they're. Uh, all the uh, dirt side is amazing to watch. The rally side, if they could ever get a solid sponsor, great events to watch. The NASCAR is always going to be up there, bumped up. That Porsche, that Porsche series was amazing. I, I'm sorry, but that was one of the best series all year too to watch, and that's a hell of a sponsor to have. Um, you want those things; the more you can get. If you, if someone comes in here and offers them to 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 run a Skippy series, you take it. Now we do need an endurance series to replace the one they cut, but that's a sponsorship thing. I'm sure we, when we get a sponsor, it'll come back. Um, but I think it well, is balanced, there's right? Still, there is still the EILMS, but it, it, even though it's only six weeks uh, per season, it's still pretty pretty challenging and pretty fun. Um, 
And then the kind of the last big point that he brought up was that he said it he doesn't like the fact that it's subscription and says that the cost of entry and Tony really really addressed a lot of this. So uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and, and quote Tony. Uh, people complain so much. My iPhone. I'm on look. I'm on location. I'm working off an iPhone. Uh, people complain so much about the subscription. It basically equates to buying a new video game every year. I guess if you don't continue, you can't use a game, any game you've bought. But uh, subscriptions aren't necessarily a bad thing. It requires dedication, and I would say generally leads to more participation and certainly better quality racing overall. People also seem to forget the cost of putting together all this plus maintaining it, and there has, has to be a profit, otherwise it won't stay afloat. And I can interject on that. We've literally just been talking about the new build, maybe build and bring in new stuff every quarter. Barrier of entry is another thing he talked about. And he said, what barrier? You can use a keyboard and mouse, a game pad or joystick. Um, another add-in for me is they, they have uh, special needs situations for the handicap. Uh, this is marketed as a simulation, not a game. Therefore, one should expect more dedicated or hardcore types to join. If you want a video game that you can pay and forget there is NASCAR Heat or other road type games that he does snub his nose at. Basically, nitpick anything to make it look bad that everything I've seen over my few years is continuing to just, or using the services continually having saying, shut up and take my money. And I concur with that because, you know, we, we will talk about and the things that we want to see improve in iRacing, but we say, we always come up with it from a fan perspective saying that um we're literally 99 percent of the time happy yeah the the thing there like the the subscription thing always comes on fire and i really don't understand it if you guys don't want to pay a subscription and, and 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 that's a huge deal breaker for you go play nascar heat buy it buy your one for the year if you want your nascar oval side go buy nascar heat play that and tell me what think about it if you're on the road side and you want to do something, you know, where you only want to pay something and and a one-time cost, go put by Project Cars 2. Go buy um, Alceta Corsa. Go do all those type of things where they don't have the community builds like this. You can't you can't have well, I guess you can't have your cake and eat it too. But there there has to be some you know something more there for for to to keep building on it they could they, you could have just had a one-time cost and they don't have to do any of this stuff they're doing they could have left the tire model alone they don't have to build the tire model do they so why do they do it because they do it for this community and, and the love of what they do or what they're doing yeah that's a good point and, greg i mean the subscription yeah. drives the product forward in a com- perpetual manner and i would say but his a little bit of a devil's advocate is he may say that it's it's keeping some uh, races from coming on, and I would say maybe that's actually a good thing. Okay, but you know, um, it's the same thing. If you know, I'll use the thing that we always go to. Tony's a an avid um, uh, airsoft fi- uh, guy. Well, I don't like the cost of the where the it is to start up and become a, to go and do the airsoft sport. So you know what, I don't do it. You know, if you can't afford to do it, you're just not going to afford to do it. People always find it. If it's something you really want to do, you're going to do it. It, it. This is a hobby. We love to do it. Um, you're going to invest money into it. There's pretty simple ways to, to get into it for fair, fairly cheap, you know, competitive. But yeah, there, it is an investment. But I look at over at, the years. I have 10 years of investing. 
Yeah, I look at it as you're buying in to be along for the ride because it is a perpetual product that keeps improving every three months. And every three months, you know, something's going to change and something's going to be added. Something's going to be better. And so it's not the same game that you bought once. When you're doing a subscription, you're guaranteed these updates. And I think I think some of these people that, that have come on, and, and I don't know I, I don't know this uh, uh, YouTuber's um, amount of years he's been on the, the service, but if he saw it from the ground the first years like I've been around here to what it is now, you're thankful for what they have put into it because they could just go on to the next pro like they could just do what any of the video games do. Go on and make another product and, and, and sometimes repeat the same problems. Instead, it's a development over time. And like I kind of said before, I think the subscription actually provides a bit of a filter. We have clear, uh, strong anecdotal evidence of drivers who've come over from other services or, or games that iRacing, even though we can get frustrated at times, still has some of the cleanest racing that you can find. Yeah, it keeps the riffraff out. Um, some of that cost just by by default, right? <laughs> and I don't want it to be a deterrent for you know this guy's opinion compared to our opinion. He had a great he had great points in his video, and it's great opinions, and it's great to see he's passionate about it. You can tell he's passionate about it, and he was concerned about the product. You know, maybe there's something that iRacing will look at and go, you know what, maybe nitpick some points out of it that they saw that maybe they didn't think about, and maybe go forward with it and figure out changes. Yeah, this is Bo Bu Albert on iRacing. He's got 600 subscribers, but 7,000 views on this video. So it obviously struck a chord amongst the community. Uh, part of it is kind of a touche on iRacing for not having a title sponsor for the upcoming Peak Series uh, based on uh, Mr. Zach Novak, who had to leave to go to that uh, event already. Uh, he mentioned he couldn't say anything, but it sounded like good news. Sounds like a sponsorship is on the in the works. Even in the even in th this guy's video, he said they've announced that they're increasing the prize pool. Do you think they would have increased the prize pool if they don't already have the sponsor lined up? Yeah, well, I remember uh, hearing that, but I couldn't uh, corroborate that fact. I don't know where well, I, if I've heard that. He showed before. it on his page. He, he said it himself. He yeah, said it, yeah. He but said it's it also he highlighted it in the the oh. um, the other thing is is if you look at it like you can be criticized about. You know them not having a title sponsor. Technically, NASCAR hasn't announced their title sponsors the way they're going to do it. They've they've announced how they're they might align them, but they haven't announced which order they're going to do them and how they're going to break them up. So you gotta be careful where you're going to nitpick stuff from. Just because it's not there doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Why does any team hold any announcement secret, even though the signs dotted lines are signed? They do it because they want to time their announcement for the the maximum benefit. So they probably have somebody signed, but if they announce it a little bit early, they're not going to get as much bang for their buck as if they wait till closer to the season. Right. Makes sense. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, uh, four years of NIS open stats. And once again, friend of the podcast, John Hammer, has been busy compiling stats for this, this amazing season of NIS and, and going through it and, and coming up with some good data you know, to look at, compare over the last four years. Um, and I, I was just looking, you know, nitpick some of the stuff out of here. Obviously, over the years, it's showing that incidents per race are going up, which makes sense because there's more people participating. Um, now, 
is that actually showing that there's more people tar- participating on well, average? It's not the number of the number it's, of partic- people participating would would basically flat. be an be an average. Yeah, because so, if you get more people, you need you need more incidents to get the same per per race incident per person. So basically, what's happening though is the fact that we're the talent pool is changing over well the per the package and the package. Yeah, this the, I would I you're actually you know what that's a good point, David. I would equate this year's increase probably to that package completely. That that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, the package would definitely increase because it's one full incident. Per race, it's gone up in a year. So, you know, it's... Look at the total, though. Total of participants, 2019, 2,979. Last year, 2,980. One driver difference. It's literally the same amount of people. But a lot more... I don't know if I was pushing the button. There was a lot more people who ran more than five starts. Yeah, I noticed like Over double. See, and I, see, I would be out of that pool this year. Or is that more than five starts complete? That's total? five starts all week, all oh, year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's total. Not not the one and done coming for the Daytona 500 or. So that course. means out of it was the same amount of people participated in the series, but out of those people, a lot more of them participated in multiple events. And does that mean that because like I'm thinking the package might have felt made that even more, but you know, gone up too because people felt maybe they were more competitive with the package. Or want to try it? It certainly didn't hurt. It made the car a little bit easier to drive for someone who probably struggled with it. I think the big number is you don't look at number of participants overall. This is the one that really counts. Total participants with five or more weeks counted. 2019 is 1,205. In 2018, it was only 784. That's huge, almost doubled. Almost doubled it. Right. And that's the one that... like. I want people to run the NIS series, not just an event. I want them to run the series. Yep. And guess what? It almost doubled. See, technically, this one, this one is always. The... Oh, go ahead, David. This one is also pretty big. There was 500 winners, which basically, well, t- 500 total winners versus eight, uh, 326. That could be that could be more unique winners. More different of, winners, yeah. Yeah, yeah. more. Different that would winners. be an interesting one to you know how many different winners you know over the season there was. I mean, look at me. I got four wins this year, and I normally don't win except for maybe once or twice at a restrictor. And I and I haven't won. I've, all my NIS, NIS wins came this season. I've never won an NIS. Uh, lots of cool stats. Like uh, this one, race winners that average uh, and their average quantity of races run. 2019, 27 races run as an average. So that tells you the people that run the series or the season are the ones winning these races. Not the people that come in and do one and done. Especially on the NS, NIS side, you've, um, you've got to be learning to at least tweak some of those setups that come from the various sources to really get to that point. And wasn't it uh, Ray Afala that said the, the package is way more setup dependent than it was last year? Now, he has a Google Doc to go with it uh, to back the numbers up. And you can find that on the forums under John Hammer. Now, the other thing I was wondering as a team here, I was just looking. Um, so, Mike, you had, I guess, you, you basically almost participated in every week. It looks like you didn't miss any weeks at all this yep. year. Um, David, you did too because it dropped all six weeks. I think I missed a week, if I remember correctly. No, I had 30 counted too. So, um, you know, we all dedicated on our team. We dedicated to the NIS, so it's... It's good to see um, 
you know, John does a good job every year. Stats. I hate the the way the stats are. They're really hard to get and hard to read. And he does a good job of them compiling. I can't imagine how he does it. So one of the other new things that uh, came about in the NIS season, as well as the, the A races, was the green-white checkered. And there was actually a poll out there on the form, and it came out 61% loved, with the thir- other 39% being split between hate them and they need to go away. Uh, so what did you think of those, Greg? Sorry, say that again. It cut out. Uh, the green-white checkers, what did you think of them? Um, I've only participated in, when did we get that? About three-quarters of the way through the season. So I think I only had like two or three maybe. Um, I think one of the green-white checkers, you lost a race on, didn't you, David? Twice. Twice. So the one. And I've won one. Twice. Won one. But I also got one off of it. So it Did I win out. that one off of, after you wrecked with that guy? Or the one after I got the... dumped. You won yeah. the one after I got I dumped, think, yes. I think that one was one of the ones. But, you know, I, 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 the authentic, I like the authenticity of, you know, this being added in. It, it's a great it's a great addition. Um, I'm wondering what it's going to do next season with the tire model. And if these tires, you can stay out longer on them and, you know, get track position that way, green-white checkers might even get more interesting at the end of a race. But uh, I don't mind it. Um, if you start worrying about things in races, that's when it becomes a problem. So, And it's a great thing, a great and addition. It, and it really does protect against something that was happening before. If somebody had a, a slight lead and you get before and you get down to four laps and you got a wrecked teammate – they could they could cause a caution, and that prevents that from being able to yeah, happen. Yeah, I always didn't like that. I love this. I, I, I think green-white checker is awesome. I think if NASCAR does it, we need to do it. I don't think that there should even be a poll because that's the reason we have it. If NASCAR does it, we do it. it it's not a matter of if you love it or hate it. We're going to do it no matter what because NASCAR does it. That's what I think. And we need stages just like NASCAR has. The, that's the only thing that I don't know how they're going to ever ever do that unless they they just have need to have one a, stage, not two. You know. Yeah, I guess whatever. you're right. You just do a stage for the first part, and then I had a third way, and then two thirds or something. Yeah. the The only thing is, is um, there's got to be a way that maybe maybe do you think it would change if they did half? I guess half fuel would change everything up then, and no. it would make it. I don't know. If you're not maybe if you're not if you're not. I don't know about the regular series because they've never done that. Uh, I wish they had. I remember back in the R Factor days that you could actually make tires wear double as fast, and we ran we ran some series like that. Uh, I wish I kind of think that would be a neat option that would make stages make sense. I was gonna say it's, it almost to me that almost feels like it's going arcadey where you're going to like I get what it's doing. It's just but I think that should be a league option, not official mm-hmm. series options. It makes the runs, it makes your tires wear off way faster, or the fuel, so that you're forced to pit basically twice as often, but, you, but it's still, yeah, like I, an NASCAR I, know race. What, I know what you're saying. It's, it's just, I, I do like, I, the I think the one stage well. might be the only way. Um, also, I do think they made a great decision of rolling the A and the A and B series the, the back to just one green white checkered because those are designed to be shorter, and three green white checkers can double your time by 20 minutes. And that's cool. It makes NIS special, you know, to have the three, I think. Well, and that goes to the fact where if some people want to run multiple, like I guess what you're saying, David, if you add 25 minutes, it could change your, if you're trying to get into another series to run after that one, if you want to run multiple ones in a day. Yep. And um, it's good that it's not infinite or you might end up being 74 before you get to run your next race. Uh, 
or you could just actually already be 74, Mike. Yeah, let's give a shout out to uh, happy birthday 74-year-old Gil Gawk, who posted on the forum about his 74th birthday. He's a 10-year member of iRacing. Uh, here's what he said. Wow, another birthday, and I'm feeling so blessed to still have a way to find some racing competition. I've been racing one thing or another since I was a kid and a couple of championships along the way, but thanks iRacing for providing this old boy with a way to stay on the track. And I found this very encouraging. I love stories like this because I can see myself at 74 years old sitting in my cockpit running a race and uh, kicking butt. Uh, and if he can do it, boy, that means I can do it too. I like to talk about some of the, a lot of the other podcasts that I listen to. And I was, I'm just in the middle of Danica Patrick's last podcast. Some of hers don't, don't interest me greatly, but this one was all on fitness. It was right up my alley. And he was talking about um, most of the time, the reason people lose muscle mass as they get older is because they don't do anything. So this guy, some people will be like, well, your reflexes go when you turn 74. This guy's going to be healthier than just about anybody else because he's... Well, the best part, like I really, I, he's got a good setup there. If you go to the picture at the top there of the page, um, it looks like he even has a shift light on his setup, but he's got the... I'm guessing that's the 2.5. It might be the older V1 though, with the old Club Sport wheel. CSL but, base. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's got the clear top, so I think that's a 2.5. Nice um, monitor. I really like that monitor. That's is that that 49 inch one that everybody's always real, asking about. Yeah, real about? wide one. Yeah. It's so nice. Those I would that that would be the ideal one if you're going to go with single monitor. I want to see. I'm trying to see what's on his wall here behind him. It looks like he's got tips or something on the wall here. Uh, right behind his left shoulder. You got setup sheets and stuff. <laughs> well, congratulations, uh, Gil, on your birthday, and uh, keep on trucking, buddy. All right, Greg, tell us about the Thrustmaster iRacing Rallycross World Championship Round Eight. So, uh, iRacing posted up a you know a race review video of the actual Thrustmaster iRacing Rally World Championship. Um, it was a good you know good video. Um, couple highlights in the race it wasn't a it wasn't it was only exciting at the beginning i guess we talk about that a lot every time you know with this yeah whole, it's a theme. The whole shot you know it seems to be a thing so uh dijon got the whole shot right off the start there um they went into the corner uh, first turn there and and they basically a couple cars wadded it up about what three or four rows back and one of them ended up on its lid um and you know basically that was the whole part of the race and single filed through most of it uh so Dijon got uh after getting the whole shot took the win uh, Tro uh Tro Trogan finished second and then Heikinen finished third um I guess one of the parts on it Garrett Lowe uh they mentioned it Garrett Lowe got to uh visit Steve uh, Arpin uh, his race shop in real life which I looked up uh who Steve Arpin was I never actually I didn't know who it was but it uh, found out he was a Canadian rally car cross driver, and uh, um, so I was looking at his Twitter page and everything. But uh, it was good to see um, once again, you know, pros going out to visit uh, some real life drivers and stuff. So good to see that. Um, and then, like I said, the rest of the race was basically a follow the leader race. But uh, I still like that series. I think there's some tweaking that can be done to it. Uh, to make us more ex exciting, but uh, that you know, that's once again, that's things that we got to do over the next you know couple of years. They got to figure out how to build the brand. But I guess the hard part is, is that series is uh, 
the real life Connor counterpart. Yeah, yeah it's counterparts oh, yeah. taking a beating. Yeah. yeah, during Thanksgiving dinner, we were actually talking about it with my cousins who like rallycross and drag racing a lot more than than the ovals, and uh, they were. He was talking about he would rather go do rallycross over in Europe where they basically do it on the streets and don't even block them off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I watched this, and uh, the first lap, first turn's pretty exciting, and then it's just follow the leader. It literally, I mean, I don't think anybody passed anybody after that part, uh, and I was paying attention too. So, but that's kind of how that racing goes. I don't. They need to mix it up. I don't know if we need another Joker, uh, maybe in the mix to help that, or we need to do something. Do you think this is a uh, in 2020 that this is a a series where they just take more of the tracks that already exist and just add dirt to like dirt configurations to it? Or do we just, is it a slow trickle for these coming out? Well, they still have to do work to scan the, scan the dirt configurations that are used because they're not going to make up a track. They're going to, well, they did it with the Phoenix one. There's a bunch of them are made up. Yeah. The Phoenix one was never a real track. I didn't know that. Neato. Yep. And, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like with no real-life counterpart series, what's going to drive them to work on this? Um, now, Thrustmaster obviously ponied up some big money to be part of the championship. You know, are they going to do that again? And would that be the driver to get more tracks? Or, or uh, you know, was that a one-off deal? Who knows? Thrustmaster might be, especially with the real-life series dying, looking at sponsoring a different series. Could be. Who knows? I mean, who knows? They're not tied to Rally Cross, right? Yeah, let's just hope, if anything, if something does happen where they don't want to respond, they can keep the sponsorship in an iRacing series somewhere. Right. Well, this would be, this obviously is one of the best places for them to be. Any of the uh, sim racing hardware company want to be involved with iRacing. All right, next up, David. Okay, we've already been talking about it a little bit, but the 2020 season release is coming soon. There's no patch notes yet, but we've already talked about some of the things that are coming out. It's the same usual. The servers are going to go down, and everybody in the iRacing groups on Facebook are going to be trolling each other about why the server's down. And the test server will be up, so it's a good time to try the other cars. If you December 3rd. I can't. I really wish I won't be around for it, but I really wanted to get on and try some of those cars before they, the ones that I don't have, but I'll be working when the test servers are up. Well, they give yeah. you usually about a 48-hour window, don't they, on the test server? Yeah, they've been extending it. So oh, have they? If okay. you do well, it the day of... Okay, yeah, it's testdrive.iracing.com. It. Now, yeah, you have to own the track that you can try any car. All right, next up, guess what? Young Money gets it done again. Kyle Larson wins for the second week in a row in the midgets in the iRacing colors. Uh, so, always good to see iRacing in victory lane. He's the first driver to actually score back-to-back midget wins in California since J.J. Yaley did it way back in 2003. All right, next up, Greg, we have a quote uh, from Formula One driver Lando Norris about esports drivers. So Lando Norris uh, posted on uh, Instagram and social media that um, he believes in the future. He thinks that uh, esports might translate in being able to come over to Formula One. Um, he doesn't believe it's the you know the, the straight step to it, but he thinks that maybe you can feed it off in lower end F1 series and make your way up. Um, the, he's talk, he, he also talks about some drivers that have proved their skills in the simulator um, that actually can translate over on a track. Um, he thinks that the better the simulators uh, get and everything, uh, the higher the chances of this happening. Now. These guys, these guys um, you know, Lando Norris, Max Verstappen, and all these guys that have come into Formula One 
they've you know they brought this the formula one which is probably going to help drive this aspect of it as well with the esports part part that's what they you know they love to do in their spare time they're not out you know back in the day drivers would go out of the, i guess the bars and things like that but now these drivers are they're spending time in simulators and things like that um so i, I believe it can translate now f1 is such a grueling physical sport it the the that's the only thing that really doesn't translate from simulation to what I believe. But uh, if Lando says it's, he thinks it might be, then maybe it can be something that can be trained in afterwards, I guess. Well, we already talked about it with Zach, and the reason I brought that question up is because I did the Rusty Wallace experience in Memphis, and I, I, I wish I'd done more laps, but I only ran eight. By lap three or four, I kind of forgot I was in a real car and just went back into autopilot doing, doing all the rhythm and, um, and feeling like I'm on iRacing or the sim, um, what right, right, real life experience, you're gonna get, you're gonna get more of the the feel of the car, but the advantage of being able to run so many laps of practice without it costing money means you can get a way more repetition than spend enough time readjusting to the car, and it's gonna it is gonna transfer. Well, and this in the future right now, and I believe the reason why in it. Uh, Lando has said this because Formula One's about to go on a cost-cutting diet uh, where they can only spend, they have caps amount of what they can spend and they only have wind tunnel time. So simulation time is the biggest upgrade that they're going to see in the next five to maybe 10 years if they keep that cost-cutting down. Well, that's exactly what has already happened with NASCAR. They've cut, they've done those cuts and the biggest thing now is simulator time. I just think that, like, I've seen the training that these guys do in the offseason to get their body to ready to run an, an F1 race. Like, the amount of work that they do on their necks and shoulders, I think that's, you know, that's something you'd have to learn. Uh, you can't just jump straight, obviously, into a car. Like, I know you said you had the experience, but I know with the F1 cars, the amount of work they do on their necks and their shoulders and their upper body strength, um, it, it's the only thing I don't see translating over, but I guess you can train to do it, right? Yeah, you can train. And have you seen? A NASCAR driver that's that's out of shape, real especially at the top levels, win lately. Jimmy Johnson kind of brought in that era. You know, he he was a fitness nut, and once once he came in, about the only person left was Smoke that was out of shape, and everybody else you had to be fit just to be able to still keep up in those cars. This is one thing I think i i racing is missing. I mean, i racing does so good on some other things. But when it comes to Formula One, we're just not involved. And I, we got to get back involved somehow. Uh, problem, I want, I'd love to have iRacing be the platform that these guys are racing on. The problem with that is the deal that F1 signed with Codemaster and, and, and different partners like that. Once that's done, it's the same with Porsche over the 10-year like the, the contract Porsche used to have with um, uh, EA Sports. They, they couldn't, you couldn't have the Porsche name anywhere until that contract was up and now obviously they can use porsche anywhere but i think until until f1 sees this as a viable experience it, it's going to be a problem because i know even ferrari esports they didn't participate in their f1 codemaster uh esports series for the first year ferrari was the only team that didn't participate in it so you gotta it's gonna be hard to get them all on board and the scanning of the cars is where they're going to be very lean because they they do not want to give away all their data points. Yeah, but if it comes from the FIA, hey, this is the way we're going. You have to let them scan the car and da 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 da. You know, I just hope iRacing is aware of that day when the exclusive is over 
and we're just all over it because that's really the next step i think for iRacing is we got to get embedded with formula all right let's jump to hardware software uh it's about black friday because today is black friday david start us off okay we have quite a few deals on starting with some of the fanatech deals right well no they are no actually these are the iRacing and you've got you can save 25 percent for your 12 and 24 month and i just used mine ironically my my time ran up four or five days ago luckily i already had the code uh, otherwise i would have spent 110 dollars but instead i spent so we have the codes here that you can pull up on the show notes for both the 12 month and the 24 month they're only these promotions are only valid on exit accounts you've got to go to the website click the shopping mart icon or if you're if you happen to just expire you can just when you go to renew put in the promo code and it'll apply it when you check out Mine expires on December 3rd. So that equals 6.83 a month. That's 23 cents a day for the subscription. 23 cents a day. Or if you How really mu- want to look at it, it's one video game a year. How much does an Xbox game cost and you basically really have to be on Xbox Live also to get everything out of it? That's pretty much a, a, a video game. Well, you got to remember if you're if you're going to buy a video game that you want to play online with, you got the game, which is 80 bucks plus the year subscription, which is a box. Well, so the game will be like 70 bucks after tax. But then uh, the year subscription for a video game is probably, I think there's 59.99. So you're looking at still about the same, you know, the, this is a good price. If, if, you're, if you're worried about a subscription cost, you buy it at this time of year. That's what I was going to say next is if you're an existing member and you have less than 12 months subscription built up, now is the time to buy. You will not get a better price than you'll get right now. It's a great deal. Uh, Sim Experience also has a great deal, Mike. You want to tell us about it? Yes. Uh, this one kind of got you uh, stirring a little bit because that GS5 uh, motion seat that we love with the hydraulic flaps, $500 off. It's Instead of 3000 it's 2500 That's a good price, that drop. And I'm really tempted, uh, but uh, I'm so happy with how comfortable the Spargo is that I don't know. And that I have the money, but I'm also considering basically saving up and buying my next real car cash. So it's a tough decision. Yep. And then they have 15% off of the motion kits that they offer, uh, the full-fledged motion cockpits. They're all 15% off. Uh, SimVibe software is also on sale, uh, $20 off. Uh, they sell the butt kicker stuff. Uh, that's also on sale. You can get the butt kicker mini LFE for $20 off for $75. Uh, so some good deals to be had. David, let's move into another wheel uh, announcement, but I don't know if this was a good deal. Yeah, I looked at it and, and I salivate. Wow, looks nice. There's two. There's a vinyl and a velvet option. I like the positions of the buttons better. It basically has almost as many buttons as you can get on the F1 wheel. Uh, but it would work for my oval rim, and it and it has the advanced pedals on the back um, if you want to really use the, the hand clutch. Um, and I was thinking, I'm going to buy this, and then I looked at the sticker price. It's a it's a grand. A but thousand it is, it is a really nice wheel, but it's a grand. They so, really missed the price point here. I don't. I think it's too high. I think they outpriced themselves for it. Like yes, you know, the worst part of it is you know they're promoting the authentic porsche symbol and it you know replica porsche symbol and stuff like that and it's like how much i know it's worth a lot but are you really just a paying for a wheel that you're not even going to be staring at the center of the wheel like it's nice to to look at and stuff but 
a grand. Yep. You know, you can have a direct drive base for a grand. <laughs> I have the current Porsche wheel that's that was my, that was my over rim rim and was going to be my only rim uh before before the delay happened and i got the free f1 rim but um yeah it's just it's just too high uh compared to almost any other wheel they have so this is the fan attack podium steering wheel porsche 911 gt3 one thousand dollars it's three components the actual wheel rim the button component box now the boot the button component part is a new design that's different than the older universal hub these buttons look rock solid really good and then it's got the new paddle the podium shifters uh that you were mentioning so it's three pieces that ship together in three separate boxes you have to assemble it you add them together it's a thousand i think the one thing that they actually really missed on here is they had the opportunity to go for a decent display in the center and they didn't do it like if they if they go to up, I know they got the same size display as what that display is probably what the same size as the one that's actually on the direct drive base part, Dave. Yeah, it is. So I could just see this price point being it, it could be more. It, it could have been better if they actually had a bigger display to actually use for something in the sim rather than just the fanatic technology. Like for all their data stuff on it. They have some good stuff to show on there. It looks like lap times, gear and whatnot, splits. So I just I just think that, you know, it, it they just outprice themselves with all the other there's so many rims on the market too, right? Yeah. Well ultimately the market will tell. If they're not selling, they'll drop the price. So more to come on Fanatec. There's other products. This was released early uh uh, last week before all their other announcements they wanted to get this out uh in the market ahead ahead of black friday i guess but uh so that came out first greg tell us uh, next up about vrs direct force pro wheelbase so um they've obviously announced here in, a, in an article that uh, their wheelbase has been certified uh, and tested and the first batch of production has gone out so um good news uh on it um it says it's going to be released in early of 2020 but yet once again they are avoiding the price point at talking saying it'll be around a thousand dollars or under a thousand dollars but they haven't yet announced it so obviously they're going to do their you know um production here and see what goes on with it and then probably hopefully we get an announcement maybe early 2020 there it's a wise decision not to put out a price point. You know what it's going to end up really costing. You don't want to paint yourself in the corner. It sounds like it's going to be a good spot to be. Let's say it's right below a thousand. Let's say eight hundred to a thousand. So what else do we have? We have the older AccuForce V2 Pro, which is a little less than that. Then the next one up is the one that David and I have, the DD1. That's what twelve hundred now. And so exactly. there's nothing in between to, those yeah. two. And so this will fit right in between. So you're thinking like something like $799 or $899 is where they need to keep it? Right. So that and it that, that just fits to be... a nice whole lineup. I'm interested to see how they do because they've, you know, for, for a small company as the way that they started as being a setup company and then growing into what they are and now building something like this, it's great to, you know, another company on coming in and, at, you know, adding their product to the market space and what they can do with it. Well, like you said, I mean, that's a big leap to go from a, you know, a virtual company to some company that's producing hardware and shipping stuff. Let's see if they can actually pull it off. That's the big question. Well, they've definitely probably built up quite a bit of venture capital through their subscriptions. All right. Next up, we got a new rig design by SwedishRigDesigns.com. 
We've looked at Swedish rig designs uh, before. They have some great 80-20 cockpits, but they got their brand new, they call it the SRD Sim Cart Pro available for three beta testers. And they show a picture of it, and it's kind of set up to look like uh, if you're in a go-kart, you know, like the, the steering wheel position, the seating position, uh, the, the height of the pedals and stuff. It's uh, a go-kart setup or a go-kart rig, so to speak. What do you guys think about this? Won't be as comfortable. I don't like, I mean, I guess you're going to have to, you know, be up a little higher with the way that wheel's pointing and uh, you can't, and you, you're not going to have a clutch. So for any, anybody that does any kind of the oval racing or wants to use a, a foot clutch, uh, you lose that option. Uh, you're going to have, you have two things that just make it not an option, including the, the, the posts in the middle to hold the base up. Uh, one of our teammates can't left foot brake and right foot brake very or efficiently because of even because of just having a post there on his rig. So personally, somebody might love it if they're a go kart. Um, which go kart series do we have in iRacing? Right. That, yeah. uh, I'm wondering if this is for that simulated video game that's coming out. This company is making it for the actual. There's a sim karting game. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, oh yeah. But anyways, um, that's definitely would go if you bought that i wouldn't sit it that almost reminds me of, like it's a little bit better looking than the seats that you would sit at high school but it looks like the plastic from it's high very school for me it reminds yeah. me it looks like it's uncomfortable it might be comfortable the way it because it might cushion you the right way but it doesn't look like there's much to it this is designed to be an f1 type you know wheel i mean nah, it's no it's it's have you raced go-karts Greg, you're sitting no, up straight. Uh, you're yeah. sitting up straight, but I'm saying it's like yeah. the F1 sitting down. You're having the wheel over up over your chest and your legs. The way it's legs sitting, are straight. It's, yeah, it's it's no. it, it reminds me more of the only thing it isn't. You're right, David. The the, the seats not lean back. And feet aren't up high, but it, it, the wheels I'm are talking about, really tiny. I'm talking and... about having your between a post and everything like you're saying there. Like that's that's yeah. how like I mine. I race with a three-pedal setup with a post in the center with my play seat, but I don't really notice the post there anymore. But um, For, You usually don't have a rim that size in a, in a real go-kart. Uh, we I, raced them when we were at St. Louis, and they're, they're, not over your, they're not in front of your face. They're, they're down more at your chest level. Or I really don't. Belly level. That's almost like a trucker's column. It almost looks like the way it's sitting is like a big rig. You're, you know, you're... You'd have to have a really tall person sitting in that seat to get that oh, angle. Yep, because uh, uh, as short as I am, I would be looking through the wheel. Pretty much, so, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But uh, if it's if you don't, you're you know you wanted a two pedal setup, perfect. As long as the two pedal setup is that one looks like obviously a custom two pedal setup in there. I don't know, does does a fanatic wheelbase or or, or uh, pedal base fit in there? Like, does it you know things like that would be. Um, things you'd have to figure out. I the problem with this is it 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 just kind of goes against the whole idea of what makes eighty twenty so great is let's not have the steering wheel base come up between your legs and we don't have to because it's eighty twenty and we can bring it up on either side. But they just even though it's built of eighty twenty, they didn't build it that way. And so I just don't understand the whole design of it. Even if they're trying to uh, you know simulate you know a specific seating pattern. Uh, you know, to be like a go-kart. Uh, I just think they just blew it. Well, and that, but, that useless nose piece that they have through the center there. Right. Like obviously, the there's looks. probably something under there as a brace. There might be a brace under there, but that just killed your pedal design. You know, that limits your pedal design because you want you had to put that on. 
why couldn't that be up a little bit higher? And right, no clutch you still put a three, Then you can put three pedals underneath there. Yeah, it feels a niche, definitely. Uh, it's, it's not going to... I don't think it's really going to appeal to any iRacer. All right, let's keep moving. We got a sneak peek of HPP Pedal. So uh, HPP put on their Facebook page, uh, Hello Fellow Race. I wanted to give you guys a sneak peek of something HPP is working on uh, and about to deploy. Uh, we're coming out with a uh, completely new version of the hydraulic sim racing pedal. Um, so if you look on their on their Facebook page, uh, they have some very, very nice images of their design up there. Um, I'm trying to think of what the old pedals um, look, look like. Uh, They're similar. Um, drill, drill into the pictures and you'll see the actual prototypes. They got a light blue color. Uh, on them as well uh, and boy they look sharp and I that there's the one uh, if you go on our, our forums there's some pictures of it the one with the anodized like bluish teal color man they're nice they look really slick uh, set up there they got a nice pedal to them with um, what do you call it a little uh, with a textured uh, uh, foot grip yeah grip yeah I just you know HP uh, HPP is you know, whatever they're cooking up here, a really good design to their new hydraulic pedal. I forgot about their pedals. I mean, it's been so long since they've released them. What's their price points like? When I bought my pedals, I almost bought these. This was my second. They're based out of California. The website is hpsimulation.com. And they have a really nice set of hydraulic pedals. And uh, as far as cost, uh, I don't know, uh, $1,400 for the three-pedal set. Now, that's the older version. This new thing he's uh, showing. 1999, I bet you. I bet you it's 1999 somewhere around there, or 1699. For the new ones, yeah. Yeah. So this is the new version. And uh, like you said, the blue, the teal blue, this makes it pop. It really looks nice. And it looks like you got different pedal designs you can come up like. Different faces. Different faces yeah. you can buy for it. But I, I just think you can customize. It. I don't know if they have different colors besides that anodized teal, but uh, their whole, the way that they're building and stuff and pictures that are on here, oh, man, makes me want to spend some money on that stuff, but I know I don't got it for it. Yeah, search the forums for HPP hydraulic pedals, and you'll find that, guys. That is definitely going to be something to look at buying or if you guys are looking at uh, high-end pedals. Uh, I'd be maybe waiting for this to come out. Jumping to the other side of the expense scale. Um, we've talked about it a couple of times in Final Thoughts recently, and we're going ahead and presenting it in hardware again. I own the, um, I, As well do I. The Midwest Sim Spotlight. Um, he recently has had me beta test VR, or not the VR, it's the virtual reality uh, software, which keeps the lights from blinding you. And I have them sitting just on the outside of both of my my uh windows i guess you know in in the the rift and they're they sit perfectly where i can see them but i don't i don't ever have to focus on them and they integrate great uh we recent our league race where we were at daytona i actually turned the spotter off because otherwise you're hearing still there still there still there and i can just see it on the light whether i'm clear or not and it's um it's a great deal if you if you buy in the vr you have to ha still do a little bit of kind of a do it yourself because you get you get the wiring and it's and it's all connected. You you tell him basically about the size or well he's with each he's had a beta tester for each VR model and we've told him what the distance is so he can adjust the amount of cabling between the uh, LEDs 
and you use some two-sided tape with some Velcro or something. I recommend the Velcro in case you want to move it at some point. And so you pop it in there and tape the cable up in some places where you don't feel the weight of the cable. And it's been a great deal. And I know Greg loves having them too. So to be yeah. clear, so you're you're driving on the track, and when a guy pulls up beside you, you get a visual light blinking in your eyeball. And, and it doesn't blink. The the thing is, is Mike, what it is is the information. So when you listen to your spotter on iRacing, you the spotter has to give you that information by saying the word out completely, right? Like so, he has to say "car high." Well, before the word is even said, the light goes off. So you have a quicker your eye sees it faster than you can hear your spotter saying it so and the nice thing about these is especially what's come in handy this season um i have mine on the lower parts of my monitor um i use them for on, on the on my one single monitor um and i have them mon mounted uh horizontally so um if you have two cars on the outside of you um there's two red lights they go red so um it'll be two red lights if there's two cars outside of you or on inside you. If there's one outside you, it'll be one red light. Um, and vice that if you have one, if you're in the middle, it'll be on both sides. And then it shows the caution flag, green flag, and uh, blue flag for when you're on road curses and and or being lapped in any races. Sorry, if you got if you got a faster car coming up on you. The thing that I like, I said, uh, the reason I like these the most, your eyes sees faster than you can obviously. So you get that visual reference. Even if you, because sometimes you're not even paying attention, you might not even hear your spotter. You at least have the visual reference. I have caught myself a couple of times not hear the spotter say still there and turned into a dude and had to profusely apologize and feel like crap for a, a, quite a while because kind of just forgetting he was there. So there's different versions. You got the, the version Greg has you put on the monitor and the version David has you put inside the VR goggle. The hardware is the same because you download different software. Uh, because if I, if I use Greg's version, it would be <laughs> too bright eyes. to see. <laughs> I see. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see it at all. Because it, like, it, it is seriously really bright, but it, it's such a quick flash. The, the software is really simple. and um, It's basically an app you turn on every time you go into a race. It recognizes. It's the same as your, steering, or your keyboard, Mike. It recognizes what is going on in the race for the flag portions of it. It just has the spotting aspect um, that just adds that little bit more that, uh, you know, it, like David said, it gives you a warning. Like you've heard that there's a car outside of you, but if you forget it's there, you know, at least you still know with your eyes, there might be a car there. Yeah. I have something similar is Joe real timing, uh, spotter overlay, a software you're talking about. And they just have little flashes on the actual screen, uh, when there's a spot, a guy next to you. And, uh, I've been loving that actually so but this but is uh, you cannot Midwest put that in vr you yeah, can't that put would... that in the vr because uh vr cannot do transparent overlays yeah it's an overlay thing so the website midwestsim.com uh 25 off sale i don't know how long it... and these are very uh inexpensive if you're looking for an option to and it to add your spotter um thing so you know look, check these out the, uh, i highly recommend it i know david and i've talked about it um, I think it's Scott. Scott's the guy from uh, Midwest. Uh, he'll definitely hook you up. Okay. And you can toss on? both us and him feedback as well, because uh, regularly communicate with Scott on on any tweaks or or additional software ideas. So we're going to continue to basically help him develop the product. Yeah. Let them know Irish Irishers Lounge podcast sent him sent you there. 
Okay, next up, I got a video from Carl Gosling, and uh, it's a review of his new DOF Reality Motion platform. And we've talked about the DOF Reality M2 Motion before. It's one of the most affordable uh, units out there. Um, but I'm glad he did this review. There's not a lot of reviews on it, and he really details out how he had to make it work. And he has a GT Omega cockpit, a pretty straightforward, simple cockpit that DOF says is completely compatible with this uh, motion thing. And so it was an interesting video because uh, he, he uh, kind of showed us how it's not compatible. And he had to do some major, major modifications to his cockpit to make this thing work. Uh, he had to basically raise the pedals and the uh, steering wheel up vertically because the motion thing sits underneath the seat and it obviously lifts the seat, you know, six to eight inches or whatever, but it doesn't take into account that the steering wheel and pedals don't get lifted either. And he, he couldn't literally, he literally couldn't reach the pedals. Uh, and so he had to make some major mods because of that. But the other part was, is the seat is sitting on the little motion uh, platform and it has to be quote balanced where when you sit on it, it doesn't fall backwards or fall forward, and it has a you're you're sitting on the pivot point when you're sitting on it in a natural position, and so the the holes and everything didn't line up. He had to like re-drill holes into the cockpit and the mount and shift everything forward. He had to take the uh, seat and actually shift it forward on the sliding rails to get it to to get to the right spot and. A, a lot of challenges. I mean, he did modifications that I would never been able to personally, just because I'm not crafty like that. But uh, it really makes you think twice about these motion rigs. And, you know, when you buy them, like, how are you actually going to make it work? And and he really goes into the pitfalls and the reality of, hey, sometimes it's not simple. Well, you know, it seems like his he's going to help the community out, though, with his trial and errors, you know, make sense of it. And maybe it'll be helpful for some of these, someone else trying to build it from now on. It's good to see that somebody has put something out there like this. Oh, huge, yeah. Because if you're looking at buying one of these and you see this video, you're really going to have a good idea of what you're in uh, as far as trying to make it, you know, mount a rig to it. You'll, I mean, it really gives you a good idea. So, yeah, kudos to Carl Gosling. Uh, that's his name. You can find him on YouTube. Uh, and check out his review. And Mike, before I forget, sorry to jump back topics. I did forget to mention that uh, Scott does have a 25% off sale going on those spotlights. Oh, the Midwest Sim. Yep. So, yeah, think about that. When you buy the reality stuff, uh, how are you going to mount it? Like, for example, David, if you were to buy that GS5 motion seat, I think that's a pretty easy fix, but uh, you just mount it onto your existing rig. But maybe it isn't. Maybe the holes don't line up. Well, that would be either drill new hose or send it back. Uh, I think. I think well, the seat would be a lot easier. The seat because it your the seat doesn't move. It's in innards of the seat. So you basically yeah. You just find it's all you know, rails play. that it sits on or whatever, however it mounts, and just mount that those was, to whatever you're working it with. That's part of why I was appealed. That one appealed to me instead of getting a full motion. All right, let's keep moving, Greg. We got all the Fanatec Black Friday stuff. And I'll be honest, I looked at these and. You know, I'm a huge Fanatec uh, uh, supporter and stuff. It just seems a little underwhelming this year. I mean, they do have their Black Friday sales, and uh, we'll go through them here, but uh, it did seem a little bit uh, not as great as some years. But uh, 
So the first thing that they got, uh, this is only under... Uh, There's a bunch of links here. So. But anyways, we got uh, the first one, they got the CSL Elite Pro Kit for the PS4. Um, so that's their CSL Elite base, base I run with. Same, I also have this rim, uh, but it comes with the full pedals, uh, load said cell pedal, uh, the brake pedals included. So that's good. So if you want to have your PlayStation 4 and your e compatibility, you know, there you go. Um, uh, check that last link actually is the actual Black Flag announcement. That first link was the pre announcement. Uh, that was the pre one. Let's see here. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Um, so the, a lot of it, uh, I guess a lot of it was. They had a huge thing on their steering wheels. It looks like they're really um, going well, after. They got new ones. Yeah. They've redone. They've redone a lot of their models and upgraded them a bit. So you got, they got a Club Sport steering wheel classic two. Uh, they have the uh, Club Sport steering wheel three thirty uh, oval rim. They have the Club Sport uh, steering wheel GT Alcantara, which is basic. Um, that's actually one of the wheels I run. The one I'm most interested in is at some point I want to purchase an oval rim like this uh their nascar steering wheel uh their nascar club sport steering wheel nascar version so that's a licensed nascar version um that they've got and then they got their club sport steering wheel flat two which is i actually really like that the way that that looks red. um it's a really nice color in red uh the, i think you know that that uh that color is meant to draw people to looking at that image um then they have their club sport uh, pedal v pro or v3 pro pedals uh they're not the vertically mounted ones the horizontal ones uh they're they're 299 um i meant to say too all those wheels are on sale for 399.95 um they all come with a, a hub as well so um you get that with that with all those those rims some have um, shifters some don't like the nascar one doesn't have paddle shifters the hub yeah it has that weird hub so um, just the well, basic the hub. hub have the paddle. So if you want to it, get it without paddle hub. So now if you want to get it without, if you just want to get the rim without 300 wow. hubs, it's now 299. Um, you can get two the the two versions of their podium steering wheel classic two and the podium steering wheel NASCAR are 299. And then they also have, which I actually really wish they would have had this color option when uh, I was buying the shifter. But I know David, you don't like this shifter. Uh, the Club Sport Sequential Limited Edition it comes in, um, what do they call it? Flat, it's like a f brushed it's gray. Got a, it's got metal. a flat gray with a red yeah. shaft and a black red. handle. It yeah, looks it's, nice. Um, it's a really nice design. I, I wouldn't say I don't like the shifter. I love being able to go back and forth between the sequential option and the H pattern. It's not actually sequential. It's it's both. Um, and I my, the issues that I have, I think the second time I did the workaround, it's, it's got it pretty clean and i might have to eventually take it apart again and brush it out but as long as i don't get lazy and and don't immediately do that maintenance i'm shit on it again every time it starts to act up i think it'll be okay otherwise it performs great now the i like the shifter i mean the look of it i mean it's got that carbon fiber handle that's like a better said, the red. than they come with yeah the, the original ones don't they come with uh a hard metal ones or the big ball with the bit of rubber and they're 200 it's 200 bucks is that cheaper than the original i think it's the exact same price okay. if i'm juice this out there maybe the original was 159 or 149 i think i'm trying to figure out i'm going down here that they have another version of the nascar rim is it in a different i'm wondering it, if it's it, a it looks different the material. same i was looking at that so you get the hub for with it for 400 or you just buy the wheel alone for 300 
Okay, but then if you go down further, there's a NASCAR one for 149. I'm guessing this one has a different uh, material on it. It's, so that's so that one's in Alcantara. I'm just trying to compare the two NASCAR ones here. So the one has Alcantara. I love that they have the the NASCAR oh, stripes okay. at the top. You know, the yellow, red, and blue. Now I understand. Okay, so that one that's two. Uh, sorry, two ninety nine. The one that's $100 less than the one with the hub comes with the simple um, podium hub. So that's basically a podium rim, um, what they're doing. Okay. So that just has that simple podium adapter. So that's why it's $299. And then the, if you just want the rim ones, they're for $149. Okay. So if you just want to buy a rim from Fanatic right now, they're all $149. So, they got so what's the $400 one? So that's the one that comes with the bigger hub, the one with the buttons and the shifter. Uh, oh, and it's got the so display. The other one, because the other one is that special knuckle that they've created um, with the quick release, like the the twisting quick release. Is that's the two ninety nine one for the for the uh, direct drive rims. Now they put out YouTube videos of the shifter and the four new wheels, uh, so you can find that at uh, Fanatec's YouTube page. It's not a bad uh, listing. It's good to see that they're they're obviously trying. They got a whole bunch of inventory of new rims, so they want to you know get rid of them but it's a nice some nice options if you guys want an oval rim uh a more you know a flatter bottom and top rim there's a bunch of different choices so uh, check out Fan, uh, fanatic um is pay, their page and uh see if there's anything that uh, shows you i remember i bought all my setup two years ago on a black friday because they had a really good deal that just keep an eye out for all these black friday deals all right, uh, David, you uh, found some seats. Yeah, we're looking at Fast Track. They've got a lot of seats that are, um, I guess, their own brand. Um, some of them look really nice. You got some metallic, they're all cushioned, but some of them actually have metallic shells on the outside rather than the carbon fiber. Those are pretty neat. And they all look like they're good, comfortable GT style designs. So you, you want to check out Fast Track Sims. And that one with the, that one in the center. Oh, so nice. The red, the red one? Pretty. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. I, that one really catches the eye, is it? It's it the colors. Awesome. Like we're all drawn. <laughs> Ooh, look, a blue car. It's like, it's, you know, you're, look, you're drawn to the color. And... Next thing you know, we're picking our football teams based on the colors. Look, <laughs> if you scroll down, they got the Kirky seats, actual racing seats, too. So if you want the real deal. Isn't that the seat that Earnhardt talks about on, on his podcast? Was, I'm trying to remember the name of the one seat that he had is that from his dad's race car. Well, there's yeah, those... Kirky and there's uh, LaJoy does seats, I think. No, those have the headrest. You can lean your head to the side if you want. If I had a headrest on mine, I'd probably fall asleep. So I didn't oh, realize uh, FastTrackSims.com had all these seats until I found them. I actually went here because I saw him on Twitter or something, and I, I wanted to see his cockpits again. He sells these turnkey cockpits. I mean, they're like $35,000, but it's like everything you need, and he installs it. And, and anyway, he has some kind of new braking system, hydraulic braking system. And I was asking him questions about, hey, where's the link? What's the price? He's like, you know what? I'm not selling these. These are just part of my cockpit that we sell. And so you have to buy the whole package to get it. They but he has like custom brakes. Gorgeously made. Um, very, very nice on the eyes. But I just like their one, his one cockpit here. It's triple monitor setup. Everything, you know, he, they're cut out, you know, laser cut metal. But, you know, he's got things, uh, you know, he's got holes drilled in it to like reduce weight. But there's really any need to reduce weight on it. Um, but man, it looks really nice. But you got keyboard tray, you got everything you really need to have your own setup. Um, 
D box. <laughs> so you know, what did you say the prices were showing up for? Well, if you click on the, grand. Uh, the cockpit, yeah, thirty-one thousand nine hundred dollars. Man, that's a lot. But that's you get really that's everything though. You get everything, on. literally. Still, I, and I don't have thirty-five grand on my hardware. Did you scroll through some of the? So you said you were talking about the brakes. Do you see the hydraulic brake setup he's got in the back there? And some of these enough. pictures, like the, all the lines running for him. You know, if you had, you know, if you won the lottery and you wanted to start a, your own setup, that might not be a bad way to go. But if you're going to spend that kind of money, you probably should go motion. This this is motion, so this is D box. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why that. it's so high. Let's uh, switch to the other opposite side uh, in pricing. Walmart, my favorite. Walmart.com is selling a Thrustmaster TMX force feedback racing wheel. And it comes with a free one-year iRacing subscription, which is worth $110 value. And uh, you can get this at walmart.com. Uh, price, $151.26 with shipping. So all you, you need, know, we, all you need all is you a need. PC. First of all, you listen, to our, you listen to a lot of the pros, and they're still running the D7s. So, um, though, I, as I've upgraded, I've seen an improvement in my performance, the rig making the biggest difference. But... Um, when you're first getting into iRacing, especially when you're running in the in the rookie classes and some of the D classes, and you're learning the craft, you're not going to miss having that direct real wide direct wheel drive. Um, and a Thrustmaster yeah. will be a great option. So this is right. This literally right here is a rebuttal to entrance barrier. This is a pretty good deal for somebody starting out in in sim racing. Holy cow! It's a good deal. Well, it's also an Xbox One compatible, so it goes for your video games if you want. The other thing is. It um, it, it gives you the option if you want to seed with, you know, don't you don't spend a huge investment in iRacing. You can make it, a, 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 you know, a, a figure out if this is something you can spend money into, right? You're not dishing out a lot of money because even what the G29 is what like 399, 299. When I started, good point. When I started, it was 250 dollars for the G27 package, and then like a hundred and something dollars for the subscription. So I was like 350. You can get into iRacing here with 150. I mean, 150 bucks, you get a wheel pedals and a year subscription. I think so, that that rim itself is, in general, without the subscription, I think it's $99, so that you're saving 50 bucks on it. If the subscription's 110 and you're paying 151, that means you're getting the wheel for 40 bucks, basically. I mean, that is the best Black Friday sim deal there is, guys, and that's why it's one of our last topics. Uh, what a deal! We got one more Black Friday topic, David. Okay, I just had to change rooms, actually. All the family got back from looking at Christmas lights. I skipped out. Okay. Well, I'll, this one, I'll help you. This is the I'm, DES I'm Simulation. It's DES Simulations. It's a Montreal company. I thought um, in Greg's part of the world. Montreal. Uh, six hours Ma away. Montreal. Over six or eight six hours away. Eight hours away. Venus. Six hours away? Well, I had to drive five hours to get across the state of Arkansas. Um, DES Simulators, Black Friday sale. They're doing 50% uh, or 15% on all their motion actually. And they're D-Box. So they're D-Box people out of Canada. They have a bunch of stuff on here that they do. They do the fans, the There's double fan tubes. And a lot of accessories as well. I'm really, one of those times I've, I've, I've looked at those fan ideas more and more. I see them uh, on these, uh, you know, the more and more they get, um, the more companies that come out with different versions of it. Check I just their, don't uh, run cockpit. that many open cockpits, so I don't know if that would add to the realism. Though, um, I definitely my body temperature skyrockets when I'm racing. I have to turn the 
AC down about three degrees. So they have the 8020 cockpit, $550. And it's not bad. I mean, it's got, looks pretty nice. It doesn't well, have a seat, though. That's $550 Canadian. So to convert that, that's 300 American. Yeah, I mean, that's a good price, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty good price. And you can get a powder coat any color, it looks like. and But uh, yeah, so DES simulation, they got 15% off. They got some nice 80-20. Uh, if you're in Canada, that might work out good for uh, tax and shipping and stuff, right? Well, we're, we're scarce with some of the stuff that we can get. So the more that these start these markets start popping up, the better they are. Because even if you want to buy like from a company here in Canada, buy Fanatec stuff, the prices are so ridiculous. It's cheaper just to... Sometimes it's cheaper to buy it in the States and ship it to a P.O. box and go pick it up somewhere and bring it back across the border. If you or look at what, the... It, is it the tariffs that are making it expensive? Well, the conversion rate uh, and ship... Like, you know, if you're if you're going to ship from... Like, I think if you wanted to ship uh, even something from Fanatic from California to where I am, it was, I think it was 60 bucks for a rim, 50 bucks for a rim, but then you got 1.3... That's an American, so then you charge another 1.3... Um, for the conversion of the the cost for it to Amer- American to Canadian, and then that plus the price of whatever you're buying on that 1.3, it it the price is just ridiculous on the on the our dollar, right? So would you save money if if you had a teammate ship it to you? That's probably the better way to go. Like when I bought my Fanatec stuff, my buddy's dad, um, he had a PO box in the states, and he's a, it was a long haul truck driver, so he'd go down, uh twice a week he'd be down in that area so when it finally shipped to it um he just picked it up and brought it across the border and being a truck driver you can write your own bills up so you say you're transporting it so you don't have to pay any uh, duty on it either a tachometer like a analog tachometer man that looks uh, built for sim racing 170 bucks i really like that but uh yeah check them out all right let's jump to results we don't have any nis uh, next race is our daytona 500 let's talk official uh, Dave, uh, you got a P1 at Sebring, fastest car there. Another prototype win. I'll, I'll go ahead and give the details, though. I was the only prototype there, but wow. this time. But it wins <laughs> a win. Um, there I was gave you a hard like, time on that. There's tw- you, you do it. I mean, I don't. I'll I'll take it because you know you know it 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 stacks up, and two years from now nobody's gonna know. Oh yeah, that one win. That was a you were the only car there. There was 30 cars in the field. I was on the prototype. 30. Uh, gtes and five hpds and i ran the whole race just just for the practice because that's one of my favorite tracks and just practice getting around traffic and racking up some safety rating pad the stats let's do it all right let's talk uh league uh winter series uh uh greg uh wrecked out yeah that's the second week in a row i've been involved in i was involved in the big one in the first week where I was minding my own business, running mid-pack at Daytona. I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, thing, but you know, I felt pretty good in that race. I just was biding my time, trying to make moves, waiting for the, you know, waiting for the end. And someone made a move and wrecked, you know, probably 10 or 15 cars in that wreck. And then I'm not sure what happened at Pocono here. I mean, we had a, I had a pretty good car in practice. Uh, didn't qualify so well. I got loose coming out of one. It's such tight. Because it's a fixed set and the the competition in it is so tight that you know you lose two or three tenths even you're losing ten spots. So I qualified in the high team, minding my business, driving through, and I think I was wrecked on the second lap. Um, I had made some moves up to that point, wrecked on the second lap with uh, going into the tunnel turn. Uh, quite 
quite embarrassing from my aspect watching it because these guys were talking about they don't have any clue what what happened. Well, what happened was is one guy was on top and the other guy was on the bottom and the guy on top didn't realize there was a guy below him and he turned down to enter the uh, turn two and basically they spun into going into turn two at Pocono and you know what happens coming out of that corner with the amount of speed you carry through there and it was like 10th place they were they did this at and basically wadded up a lot of cars. I know uh, I know on the Facebook page, uh, Alan was talking about he wasn't too happy with uh, some of the way that people ra- ran into that wreck, uh, not slowing up, but I don't know what you're supposed to do. We're wide open through there, like a, with a fixed setup. You're wide open on the first couple laps, so I don't know what you you're, really want us to do. I This is kind of becoming my catchphrase. You're tailgating at 200 miles an hour. You, if something happens in front of you, you ain't dodging it. It's basically like the plate tracks now. Well, so, and I'm, and I went into that corner with a car behind me, and I had an old teammate on the outside of me, uh, which I trusted him being out there. But it, the track just got blocked. You just couldn't go anywhere. I know he got wrecked. The car behind me ran into the behind me, and I got pushed into the wreck. But I don't know where you're supposed to go. You're so yeah. close to the people. You don't. You can't even. I didn't even see the wreck until we're almost in it. If you check up hard, you're going to get hit because the person behind you doesn't see what you see. So they're they're always going to be a second behind you in reaction. So you have sometimes you just have to go through and hope you can dodge by direction. Well, and the worst part of po- Pocono is po- Pocono is such a momentum track. If you you got to get through all those corners because the straightaways kill you. If you do not get out of that corner, you're you're losing for like another 10 or 15. Like the straightaways take like 10 seconds to get down. So you're losing that whole straightaway. And you're just trying to maintain. So anybody at the beginning of that race wasn't going to be trying to give up positions. It, it, I just know the mindset of we have really good racers in that series. And it, it was an accident. Stuff happens. Those guys, you know, whatever they did going in the corner, if you didn't know he was there, he didn't know he was there. But I don't believe anything else could have been done to avoid the amount of cars that got into that wreck. So it reminded me, the way you describe it, of Takuma Sato wrecking uh, at Pocono this year going into turn two. Uh, it was kind of the same thing where they were fanning down into the corner and they were just too many wide and they, they came together. Well, it's hard enough to run too wide in that corner at the best of times when you don't have cars behind you and in front of you taking air off your spoiler or taking air off the nose of your car. So, you know, I'm guessing the guy on the outside was just trying to get his angle right so he, he knew he was going to have to turn down because the car in front of him was going to be taking air off the front of his nose to t- cut into that corner. But, you know... It, it was what it was like it, it I could be pissed it was on lap two it could be pissed on it was on lap 80 or 78 of 80 like it doesn't really matter it happens yeah yep. I get to fix it well I was, to be honest I was kind of glad uh, I don't you know I, I got wrecked out but I was pretty tired uh, I worked a 13 hour day before coming into that shift and then I had to be up at the four o'clock the next morning and that race didn't start till just after nine so you know, it was what it probably had its things. I don't know how I would have finished, but I felt pretty good after practice. It was kind of looking yeah. forward to the race. And I took the week off. I went and watched uh, one of my nieces uh, dance in the Nutcracker. And I think that was a worthy reason to miss. And I'm going to have to miss for a concert that I'm playing in a couple of weeks later. So I'll be running the races I can race, but I won't be in the points running because they only have one drop week. Uh, and the next race is, let me see here, just bringing it up. Um, so I'm, oh. I want to come up. Hold on. Give me a sec. Uh, okay, so the next race for the cup car on Monday nights will be Charlotte. 167-lap uh, race. So that's this Monday coming up. And then the Xfinity race that week is going to be at Richmond, and that's a 200-lap race. All right. 
let's uh, move on to final thoughts. Uh, David Hall, final thought. Uh, well, before I say that, final thoughts is presented by All-Star Graphics. Uh, they're the guys that hooked us up with our great uh, stickers. I'm sporting one on the back of my truck. I love it. Uh, all A bunch of listeners have gotten them. Uh, we've had some great pictures, and uh, yeah, that's been pretty cool. All-Star Graphics. Check them out on Facebook. All right, David, final thought. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, of course, and happy birthday to Anthony Gross. I'm sure he's out celebrating with family tonight. Um, everything's, I'm still having a blast eye racing. I felt like I had a great NIS season. I've had, I picked up a lot of road wins as well. Uh, the stream is starting to really pick up something too. I'm starting to regularly see 10 to 12 viewers at a time. Um, Twitch.tv Mixmage, and I can see the chat and actually try to interact with, with my guys. And, and sometimes on some of the road courses where we get spread out, that's actually kind of nice to have a chat with. So come on there and say hi every time you see me broadcasting, both on the, either on Twitch or on Facebook. It pops up on our Tafosi page or Tafosi page every time I go live. All right. And I've been dabbling in streaming as well. So you can find me on Twitch at Mike Dean Ellis if you're interested. Um, not doing as much as David, but I'm trying to get out there. All uh, right. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Um, I'm just going to promote... Uh... I'm uh, on my Twitch page, uh, Frozen Cactus, uh, Frozen with two O's, Cactus with two K's. I, know. I try and I'll, I stream as much as I'm on uh, whenever I race. Uh, I know David and I raced uh, an endurance race there, and I let him down last week uh, or the other day too, and I felt bad even with my streaming because we had some people watching. I didn't do too good in that race, and I feel bad for David. That's the second one I've cost him, but uh, we'll go on. It's to, challenging. Uh, I just don't have I would time recommend in it as I, I used spending to a little bit more time in the car. Yeah, but and you're right, you don't. I'd, I'd recommend spending some time in the car. It, those endurance races, the car, it, it actually, it really isn't. It's it it was the cars. lack of experience in traffic and yeah. uh, and seeing an opening that really probably wasn't there. So that's on me. Um, and yeah, I just I'm looking forward to the league race this week. Uh, Charlotte's not a bad track to race at, so I'll look forward to that. And. Uh, yeah, so just come check me out at uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus and uh, interact with me, chat with me if you want. I see it, um, and I'll you know talk to you as much as I can. I, I enjoy um, seeing got people post up uh, what what they're thinking of the race or whatever. So anyways, that's what I think uh, for this week. I hope we have a good race on Monday. Okay, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, thank you to Zach Novak, our 2019 champ, for coming on and uh, you know, telling us about his, the spoils of the victory, uh, going to Homestead, uh, going to Myrtle Beach to run some laps in a real race car. And uh, I think I saw uh, Ray Alfala was on Facebook going, how come I didn't get to do that? <laughs> um, and so he was a little jealous of the opportunity that Zach is getting there. Uh, but, but what, you know, kudos to him. He deserves it. Uh, and so we want to, uh, uh, applaud him and, and what an effort, you know, he did to win that championship and it was well-deserved. Uh, also a shout out to, uh, listener Ricky Shuri on his first ever iRacing win. Uh, well done. Uh, he is new to iRacing and he's one of our listeners and, uh, he threw it up on Twitter that he won his first race. So I thought I'd give him a shout out. Uh, what have I been doing in the off season? Well, I've been running uh, random stuff, usually unofficial. Pickup Cup, Carb Cup, Dolara Dash, uh, sometimes the Pro 4 truck, dirt truck. Uh, and then I've even dabbled in the Ferrari Challenge Fixed series. Uh, ran that the other day. Uh, 
didn't give up much I rating. I think I finished somewhere mid pack. And so, uh, it was not bad. And I'm thinking about running that again tonight. Uh, they're at Monza. I, I feel like I need to get some practice, uh, before I actually jump in the race. Uh, so I'm not very good at road, but I'm kind of dabbling just for, just to, you know, keep my chops up kind of thing. You know, we do have the Daytona 24 coming up. And so I want to be, uh, you know, tip top shape for that. So that's what you I've been doing. You mentioned road skill, and it's interesting. Me and Greg were talking about it's interesting how even with road, the different cars really are different philosophies. Because Greg just whips my ass when it comes to a stock car on on a road, and then I get in this, I get in the Ferrari or the LMP, and turn around and and usually turn the best times. So it's that's I think that's just kind of interesting that just even just changing the car changes the level of success we have. But uh, out there, I'm not really trying to get some wins. I, I just think I'm just, you know, keeping the, the the rust knocked off, so to speak. I mean, my goal is another run in, in NIS, you know. My goal is a Daytona 500, you know. I want to win more than four races in 2020. So that's my focus. But it is off-season, and I'm taking that off-season appropriately and not, uh, you know, grinding myself into the ground. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.